0: hey it's dave before i start the episode i just want to check in here with you this is this is your afterlife conversations with artists and activists about death and life and i am excited for to hear this little after show I did with Claire Favret. This is the kind of thing that normally goes up on the Patreon. But seeing as it is a debrief of the live show I put on at the end of September, and that that live show is the big reason that the podcast has been sporadic the past couple months, I thought it would be a good transition, you know, a bridge between the way things have been the last couple months in the podcast feed, and getting back into it. So I'm excited for you to hear that. I also just want to say, you know, not sorry for the inconsistency, but yeah, you you know, sorry for the inconsistency. I know it's not the end of the world. I know that no one is um, probably waiting on the episodes to drop with bated breath but nonetheless i still am very grateful for this outlet and like having connection with you who are listening whether for the first time or for a long time and so i just want you to know i don't want to make any promises i've just been in a bit of a funk a lot of it having to do with being done with the show and kind of recalibrating where to go next and finding that difficult and so instead of actually doing that recalibrating just doing a lot of TV watching and shirking of things I I know I need to do. You'll hear more about that in this conversation with Claire. Along those lines also um I need a job. I need steady work of some sort. So I just want to say because it's, you know, it's, it's not like this show is so incredibly huge that I can't be, uh, be personal. So I just want to say, if you're listening to this show, if you like it, if you think it sounds good, if you think it's edited well, if you have been listening for a while or look back through the episodes and see that there are great guests on the show and you know anyone, who needs any sort of production of any media, anything, a newsletter, a podcast, uh, an event series, you know, digital production events, anything, um, let's talk. I would love to talk. I really, um, this podcast does not support me. As much as I would love it to, I also don't want to put pressure on it to. If you want to help it support me, you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and sign up to be a monthly donor. And but yeah, I, I, I could use work. So email this is Mar at gmail.com and we'll talk. That would be amazing. Also, finally and most importantly, by far, I just Want to acknowledge that I'm doing a podcast about death and the afterlife and moments of transformation and meaning and life itself in a time when an active genocide is going on. I mean, several genocides across the world, including in Africa but the the one I'm talking about most directly is in Palestine of the Palestinian people by the Israeli government. And I just want to say as the creator of this podcast, you know, as the entire creative team of this is your afterlife, I can say that this is your afterlife stands with the people of Palestine uh, believes that, Palestine will be free. And uh, they, there's there's a lot more to say about that. But th- this podcast has grown from a very individual affair, a kind of what, where will my soul go, what could happen to it sort of thing, to something that very much is engaged in what's happening in life right now. Like, Occasionally, I'll mention how the afterlife has been wielded to manipulate people, uh, especially religiously. I mean, I mean, Christianity is the one where I'm most familiar with that happening, but with sorts of spiritual bypassing and and focusing hyper much on the individual, and even these sort of milquetoast liberal calls for. Empathy and and needing to y- y- you know value human life on all sides like th- these things that are obvious but they're dog whistles for let's allow the status quo to continue um, and that that's that's bullshit that's not where I stand I specifically say uh, the Israeli government because I don't believe that. Israel stands for all Jews, um, but I do think any discussion of violence, uh, certainly any labeling of terrorism has to start and end with the occupation of Palestine by the Zionist Israeli colonial project. And, you know, In between we can talk about gray issues, the the complexity of the situation, but when there is such an imbalance of power on one side, it would be it, it would be typical, it would be typical of us to allow that side to continue to get away with what it has gotten away with. And I say typical because that is how we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned to value civility and empathy and those things, I don't know about civility, I mean, empathy on its own, sure, in a vacuum, I guess I I value it, but I don't value those things when they deactivate, when they lead to inaction. Now is the time to activate, to use platforms like this show, uh, if you enjoy this show, to let you know that this show comes from my value for life, my desire not to die, my desire for no one to die prematurely, and for there to be real justice in the world, however much of a pipe dream that may seem. So, I just want to be very clear on where I stand with that, uh, which is with a Free Palestine. And additionally, I will put a link in the show notes to a a guide that has been helpful for me in terms of reading, watching, learning, actions to take about um, this, this issue, which is simpler than and clearer than many people have given it credit for but of course is still very um multifaceted and complex so that link is in the show notes and with that said th- th- that's that's all I've got for this little baby intro and I will uh Let's jump into this conversation that Claire is hosting.
1: Welcome to This Is Your After Show with Dave Marr and Claire Favret, a show where we talk about the podcast This Is Your Afterlife or anything else in the Dave Marr after-extended universe, (laughs) as is our prerogative. Um... I know that's not how you say prerogative. um I'm here with my friend Dave Marr, host of This is Your Afterlife and uh <laughs> star of Not Here to make Friends. <laughs> No, it's you already got it wrong. It's called the show
0: is called here to make friends. Here to
1: make friends, yeah, I know because it's the opposite of what they say. But it's I got the nervous. opposite <laughs> of the not. It's
0: okay. It's okay.
1: Well, that actually leads me in perfectly to what I was going to say first, which is that Dave thanked me in uh, his uh, post about the show, and um, like a real asshole, I got COVID. Kind of one of the top enemies of the show as an outsider and mm-hmm. didn't see the Definitely. show, so it's actually perfect <laughs> that I got the title wrong. Kind of reflects what a fairytale yeah, friend yeah, true, I was. Yeah, <laughs> true, 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 true. Um. So, as someone who got COVID, didn't see the show, um, and maybe some other, and you've
0: people, not actually seen any of my shows at this point.
1: No, wasn't kind of friends with you friends before.
0: Like after I started doing mm-hmm. the second show. Yeah. 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 What a world. You
1: were only kind of like a legend to me. The legend of <laughs> the legend well, yeah, of Dave, the Big story. The boy who lived.
0: Not Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah.
1: And then Not until like a,
0: a living legend sense of a little bit. You know. Mm. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I met. I, I think Bill. Uh, I probably saw you do stand up at Cigarette Sandwich before we like even talked. Really. Mm. Hmm. If, okay. If I, I don't know. I will have to take a look at that timeline. I have to <laughs> play back the tape, as it were. Um. So, you know, maybe some other afterheads out there also missed the show like me (laughs) Uh and they want to get an insider's perspective on you know how it went how it how it's all going how's dave feeling now so my first question question for you is how are you feeling post-show and then we're gonna dig into the germination of the idea and your process and all that
0: well, this is just so I I'm really struggling not to over analyze exactly what we're doing here. Mm. You're being a very gracious friend to ask me <laughs> about this thing that I did. That you bought tickets for? Did you get a Did you get a refund for your no, tickets? No, no. Right. So there's that element. There's the element of that I I pay to host the. This just could not be more of a vanity project, and I feel like I'm saying this more <laughs> and more as the after show goes on. But it's like I pay to host for the hosting fees for the podcast. <laughs> I'm we're both taking up our own time. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? But the real thing that I am <laughs> grateful for is it is a very I have been craving the the craving conversations like this. So I take you at face value that you are genuinely interested in these things. That's the last, hopefully the last like meta-narrative I'll be doing. But I just want to thank you for that because I really like having this conversation and I hope that it is interesting and helpful for people.
1: Yes!
0: That's all else. Okay. Okay. uh,
1: And and even if it's nothing else, as your actual friend who actually missed the show, I want to know how it went. Okay, okay,
0: okay. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I am feeling... I'm, I'm, well, it's complicated. Like uh, there's the feelings I have about how the show went. Mm -hmm. There's the feelings I had during the four night run of the show. Like I remember my feelings toward the show, like evolving over that weekend. There's the, and then, and now there's the, yeah, we're, it's been a month.
1: Post-coil There's off. the
0: full month of, yeah, <laughs> post production, post post rest even like at this point, I was imagining I would feel rested. I would have spent all my time focusing on other projects and doing some journaling hmm. and ready to recommit myself to some things, make the podcast even better make my other podcasts even better and then get back to doing this. Just, I was like, everything's going to be perfect after this month of rest and relaxation. (laughs) And of course it's not. And I feel like I've spent most of the month distracting myself from thinking too deeply because honestly, the thing that I feel is like really uh, empty. Like I feel really bummed. Like it's like, especially because the, the creation process was so intense this time around, you know? It wasn't like, oh, every month I have this little black box theater space. Or every week I do this 10 minutes on a storytelling show. It was like, okay, like, come up with the idea six months in advance. Really start to commit to the idea three months in advance. Mm-hmm. Really jam it all up into one month. And then do it for four days and then it's done, you know? And so it's, like, the, the feeling of meaning, the feeling of purpose, the feeling of, like, directing my attention and my efforts and my time all toward one thing, it just, like, the bottom fell out of that, you know? And so now I'm just, like, I, I, think, I think I've think i just been distracting myself to, like, stave off, um, you know, the depression of of making something of 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 having made something with such intensity and then not having an outlet for it definitely just yet does that make sense
1: yes i mean i i can definitely really i'm it's like the classic thing of like imagining how you're gonna feel when something you've worked on so hard is done and then it's done yeah and it doesn't Feel like the the little ticker tape in your head of you you know crossing the finish line or whatever the glo- I don't know I always imagine I'm gonna feel way better <laughs> and I actually feel so many complicated feelings and
0: yeah I'm trying to think what it was before I guess with the coma show it was so many different iterations you know mm-hmm. and I took it so many different places and. Even after taking it to Edinburgh, I continued to take it to so many different places. So it was like, even even the Edinburgh run wasn't the climax of that show. But then with the next show, Edinburgh was the climax of that show. I, I haven't performed yeah. it since, yeah, August of 2019. And... And this, it was, you know, and so doing a run at the Edinburgh Fringe is like a twenty-five to thirty-day climax. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you like it, it? Even is on its own a routine, a bunch of you know, it's a it's a sustained high. Yes. So I, so I'm trying to think. Like, have I felt this? Le- I don't think I felt this level of emptiness after finishing a thing uh-huh. before. Uh-huh. Um. But I I could just be misremembering.
1: And yet, you know, the emptiness, but also I think, I could be wrong, but I think you're Mm -hmm. at least to a certain extent, maybe, I don't know, maybe... If we want to make it as simple as giving yourself a grade, but like with the quality of the show, you're interested in putting it up again. So it's not that you're feeling empty because you feel like you didn't get what you wanted. It's empty because of this big burst after a big effort.
0: Yes. Yes. No, I don't feel like I failed. I just feel like I – it just feels like postpartum. It's postpartum more than post-coital.
1: Yeah. Not post-nut clarity. Postpartum Not
0: post-nut clarity. Post, yeah, I, post I don't. Part of confusion.
1: The,
0: post, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do women have post? Do do people with vaginas have post nut clarity? Do you think?
1: I don't know what the state of that discourse is.
0: I feel like it doesn't fit the narrative of the mm-hmm. the vaginal and and clitoral orgasm as much. I feel like there's not a single nut. To be post in that in that rubric, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think, well, this is a classic, this is your after show <laughs> turn off point, but <laughs> I think anyone can relate to kind of horny fog of confusion, horny delusion,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, horny
1: mm-hmm. mindset, and then being like, say, same as hungry, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, not exact same. Uh but you know it's like ah, nom, 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 and then you're like whoa where am i ah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. is there is there the singular postnut clarity I don't know. I I I'll say this in conversation with friends who identify in as women. Don't, I don't hear them go oh, and then I receive the postnut clarity.
0: Right, 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 right. <laughs> Anyway, no, maybe I'm not so that's the right so question. that's just to say, yeah, not not a post nut clarity situation,
1: <laughs> right? Which is also what this show is not, or this feeling is not. Your post show feeling is not that.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: I thought you were like so putting a final thing on it. Women don't have it. No, 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 no. no. I was
0: I was already jumped back to talking it back about
1: to the show. show. So such yeah. a pro. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so now I'm kind of going into my fresh air mode. So like, call me. I out love that. If
0: <laughs> no, take care of me. I'm I'm in your hands.
1: Um. You know, as your friend, as someone who listens to the podcasts, I know that things like Survivor, you've been thinking about a while, about reality TV and about COVID. But, like, can you pinpoint the moment where you kind of had that, like, synthesis and like, oh, this is the show?
0: Yeah. So I worked with a group called the Midwives. Do you know about them?
1: Uh, I don't think so, but maybe it's like say more.
0: it's like um, it's this group brunlieb mike brunlieb is is a founding member wow. where it's just it's this group of people they form circles, which are like little pods of people who meet occasionally, and then within that circle, you are given a midwife and you serve as a midwife to another person, and they are your. Not your, but you know, you're a midwife and you're an artist, basically.
1: Yes. yes.
0: And it's not a reciprocal relationship. So it's not like person A and person B are switching each other's midwives and artists. It's like person A is the midwife of person B, person B is the midwife of person C. It's more like a massage train. Yes, a massage train. Exactly. A high school theater massage train. And any excuse to touch. <laughs> and so I was. I did a a session of one of the, of a, a midwife's – I forget what they call them. A, a session, a, a term. And um, my midwife was really good, really smart, really cool. His name's Derek Spencer, and. Nice. Uh, he's he's was he's like an immersive theater guy, a director. So we like had a bunch of overlap, and he also was a Survivor fan. So yeah. he ended up uh, giving me prompts. Like th- the the relationship between midwife and artist can be anything, mm-hmm. but in this case, I, I he would just give me prompts based on the things that we talked about during our sessions. And one of his prompts was like. You know, it seems like you're talking a lot about social responsibility with relationship to COVID. What if instead of the entire world, you thought about that as it just related to 18 people stranded on an island? Mm -hmm. And I was, like, very excited by that prompt. And the minute I read it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's what if. I think that's the show, you know, like yeah. I had been knowing I wanted to make a show, but I wasn't sure what the, you know, spine of it would be. And the show itself is a little different than that prompt would imply. But um, that was, that was a big formative moment in terms of really starting to get the ball rolling.
1: Yes. And and you entered the midwife session. With, did you go like, I want to get a show out of this? Or just like, I'm just going to see what happens.
0: I was like, I'm in the, pre- oh, I think I already had my date from the Neo Futurists. I think I already knew Bye. that the show was going to be in September. And so at the beginning of this year is when I did the midwives thing. And I think I was like, no, I, I, I very, I was like, I would, I would really, I'm not going to, force it, but I would really like to get started on a show.
1: Which any good midwife would tell you, sometimes you gotta force it. Like the real midwife, (laughs) respectfully. Do they?
0: I don't know. Do you gotta force it? Or maybe there's some ultimate level of being in touch with the universe or something.
1: It seems like at some point the baby gotta come out.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true.
1: Yeah, And I'll just say, side note, is that Mike Brunley is awesome. Yeah. Because he really is. He's Somehow, the definition of a midwife um, to me. <laughs> so, yeah, gentle. No, very,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Did, did you like the other half of the process serving as someone else's?
0: Unfortunately, I didn't get to do that that much. There's uh, like, you know, different levels of participation that people have. I was really excited to do that. The person that I was paired with, it just ended up not being like, their focus in that moment, which is like totally fine. Like they're willing to get out of it, whatever they want out of it. Yeah. Uh, But I don't, so I didn't really do much. Wow.
1: Kind of a sick ass deal. You got your soul. Well, you you. would think
0: so, but I felt kind of bummed. I was like part, you know, there's something you get out of putting, applying your energy in that way too. And so also selfishly, I was like, well, I don't get to be someone's midwife. Like I don't get to like, Exercise that muscle and that was something I also was excited about, you know, so it's like, yeah, a little bit of a bummer, but I, but not like shade on them at all.
1: I feel like I'm always my smartest when I'm looking at someone else's stuff.
0: Yeah, like, Looking yeah. at
1: my stuff, I have all these reasons why I can't fix it and it's stuck and it's wrong and it's, I have no mm-hmm. solutions. But like when someone else brings me anything, like a sketch or a big concept, like I feel like I, I just have so, maybe because there's no stakes for me or low, much lower stakes because it's not mine and I'm, my ego's not tied up in it. I just have so right. many ideas and I have so many solves and I'm like, what if you put it from the perspective of this guy and totally, and really, totally. and it unlocks stuff for you and your stuff. That is great. Yeah. Okay. So when what month was that? When this? When Dave? No, wait. Your name's Dave. Derek. Derek.
0: My name's Dave. Yes. Holy I'm your friend, shit. Dave. <laughs> um.
1: So I knew it started with a D.
0: <laughs> I think that was in March.
1: Maybe that he. Wow. Said that. I didn't know what you is- had those neo dates booked that far out.
0: I had them booked like a year out. I think.
1: Wow. Like because
0: I. I was, I was, yeah, I had, it was like around this time last year, like October, November, when I was talking and they were like, you can either do May or you can do September. And I was like, part of me was like, fucking let's go for it, dude. Let's do May, you know? And like, ultimately with the way things accelerated, I could have done May, but I just was like, give it time, do September. And then I needed more time. So it was at the end of September Um, but yeah, I had, yeah, like a year in advance. I had the, the dates.
1: That makes sense too, because you've been doing, you were doing the abandoned building podcast and things like, okay, you you were germinating for a minute, which is cool. I think the world would, the world would be better too far. This community of (laughs) artists that we participate would be better if there's more time and intentionality. I, I feel like sometimes, especially the improv community is like all about like Let's get a loose skeleton and get it up there. <laughs> like I've been yeah, to opening nights yeah, where yeah, people yeah. don't know the lines and stuff where anyways, I like the idea of being extremely intentional and really letting stuff marinate. Um, okay, so in March and then you said I said you participated in midwives and then you said it was like three months of and then there's one month of intense process.
0: Well, yeah. So, so I was like, I, with Derek, he was really helpful. You know, he was like wearing like a producer cap as a midwife. And he was like, here's, let's, let's go backwards from the date of your shows, which at the time we Mm -hmm. thought was going to be like early September and decide when you need certain things done. So when do you need to like post? When do you need to like get images shot? When do you need to get things printed? You know, that sort of thing. When do you need to have like tech rehearsal? When do you want to start rehearsing? So we said that I would be starting rehearsal by June.
1: And did that go?
0: No, no, we didn't start. I didn't start rehearsal until late July. And even then it was still kind of a writing rehearsal. With your director um, Ma- Mary, with my director Mary Williamson, okay, and she. So 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 before then, it was very much a a generative process. So it was it was right. So from March on, it was like I'm writing things in a notebook. I'm meeting with Derek to talk about ideas. I am recording. 20 to 30 to 45 minutes solo podcasts of ideas and, and texting with people about those things. I'm talking to people on the phone about the ideas I have and just trying to figure out what the, I'm like, how do these two things relate? Like survivor Mm -hmm. and COVID like, you, you know, it wasn't like a, there were, there were various versions of the show that could have been like Mm. there could have been a version of the show where everything I say where the whole show is a survivor game. It's, it's in like intricately woven together. Everything I say is part of a, a, you know, could come back to bite me in the game within the show somehow. But I just didn't have, that's just not where my brain went. I didn't have, Thoughts like that that, like, were very – um I keep referring to that as, like, the Infinite Jest version of the show. Have you ever <laughs> read Infinite Jest?
1: Hell no, but I've seen the thickness.
0: Sure. Do you know the deal of how many, like, you know, there's, like, a 100 pages of footnotes, right? And so it's, like, this very, like, meticulous, intra-textual – there's a whole different timeline, like, years start to get named after products. Oof in that world. And so there will be like headings where it's like the year of the glad bag or whatever it is. And like, so, so he clearly had a timeline in his mind of when all these things were right. And it's like really tight. And it's like this dude spent and, and I'm, and I'm not acknowledging all of the like, I know there's, like, baggage people have around, like, douchey college guys around Infinite Jest. But I read it 100 pages at a time with a book club, and it was very – it actually is, like, a that's pretty cool. good book.
1: Yeah, oh, it was yeah. nice.
0: But so but – it, but it's, like, that's not the ver- – And and that normally is the type of show I would want to make. I'd want to make it something that's, like, everything fucking relates to everything else. It's, like, a finely tuned machine. It's, like, why is this – there, you you know, there's no, like, Ikea version where there's, like, some missing nut or bolt at the end, right? Uh It's, like, that means that something's off. But that's just not that version of the show that I ended up making. So there's, like, things in the show that just, like, happen. And, like, the show doesn't have – it it is not a narrative show. It's Mm -hmm. not, like, chronologically in a narrative order. So literally on, I think – Saturday night of the run of a Thursday, the Sunday run. I like, fr- I skipped ahead and then called out to the booth. Once I re- went after skipping ahead, I was like, Spencer, I like, I skipped something, didn't I? And they were like, yep, you sure did. And I was like, what was it? And they told me. And so I went back and I did that part, you know, because it just like,
1: you it affected the in. like
0: feeling of the show a little bit, but it wasn't like, yeah, it, it, it there, there. I don't have a reason that I could say why every piece. It wasn't an everything in its right place show. It was like everything in this in this intuitive order because that's what I feel is right, and I'm gonna try to trust that. And if it gets messed up, not worry. I really valued like. Being malleable and being like reactive and being like if something, yeah, yeah, if if something happened during the show, like I wanted it to affect the show, um, right? Because
1: there's a high yeah. level of audience interaction.
0: Yeah, there's about like, well, so so right, so so, and that relates to like the timeline of when the the structure got got sort of hammered down Mm -hmm. which was i think it was toward the end of july that i came up with this like three c's concept Mm -hmm. so like every like bit of the running order fit into one of these buckets these Mm -hmm. like three c's conversation challenges and uh confessionals I was so like, cuz it
1: could it be covid but no
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and then you get covid is one of them no <laughs> uh, so yeah so cuz i was like at some point well this is a a thought i've i've said a lot to friends but i haven't documented anywhere i don't think maybe i maybe i've said it at other points on the podcast but i don't think so The one of the big realizations I had making the show is this idea that, like whatever it is you do, like whatever your thing is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, filter everything through that. So whatever it is you're best at, like take your strength and make it like it. it Make your weakness your strength. Uh Like if. You're, if, like, for example, I don't think this is completely true, but it's partially true of me. Like, if you're a very, like, wordy guy, like, don't – you don't have to force yourself to become a fucking, like, ballerina. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Just, like, figure out how to – or the best example is, like, RuPaul talks about it on Drag Race where it's, like, if there's a comedy queen and she's in a singing challenge, it's, like – You still want to try, but like make the singing challenge, use, bring your comedy to the singing challenge. Don't just like pretend you're an American idol or something. Like don't, don't, don't cut parts of yourself off. Just like bring everything you are to that one thing. And I've had that in the back of my mind is like, oh, what is my one thing? Like what is my overarching identity or underlying skill or whatever it is? And I, through doing this podcast, and thinking about this show and how I wanted to structure this live show that we're talking about, I kind of came to the conclusion that interviewing is my big skill. Like, mm. you know, and, and, and I like interviewing because the word interview, cause it feels functional. It's a little too transactional. You know, if I were really being, more there's other ways of say you know facilitating conversation conversing hosting but like asking questions and getting answers and being present in a conversation you know what i mean i was like that's maybe what i do and how can i build a show around that especially because the Topics of the show are very heavy things. So if it, if I wasn't expressing actual curiosity about them, I would just be super didactic, and I would be like, "Here's the right way to live. Here's the right way to protect yourself from COVID. Here are the here's the lines, you know." And it's like, I have those opinions, but I wanted to make the show because I don't know how to write off the people. That part of me would like to write off. I don't know how yeah. to just like cut out of my life people who aren't taking COVID as seriously as I am, mm-hmm. you know? And so I wanted to like ask people like where they're at with things and just be like, and turns out if you have conversations within the show, a type of audience interaction that is like not stand up crowd work is not just like, using people as punchlines, saying the quickest most like status quo affirming joke there is. Yeah. That like yeah, that would be a way to do that. And so so that was the conversation piece of the 3 Cs. And then the challenges were just like how do I adapt survivor style challenges to um to the stage and then confessionals were places to do more like traditional one-man showy like monologues or stand-upy bits or stories or stuff like that so so and oh and because so the midwives had a little um uh, a showcase in june and i came up with a a challenge to do for the showcase and that was the first thing i had done from the show and it was in june and i was like Oh shit, like this can be actually the start of the show. And I think that's how I started getting to thinking about the 3 Cs. So by the end of July, I was I had found my director in Mary. We were talking about this and she was still trying to figure out she was like, "Okay, I don't really understand the relationship between these things. Like you're going to have to like tell me you're going to have to like kind of distill these cuz I was like sending her like clips of the solo podcast. I was sending her like random little paragraphs of writing and she made me kind of like present her stuff more and be like, okay, mm-hmm. these are the distinct pieces I have so that by the end of August, when she had finished hosting the fly honey show, cause that's ah. her big thing. And it was like crazy that that was like overlapping at the same time. So she was like, we can have some like touch and go meetings at the end of <laughs> July, beginning of August. But then there's going to be two weeks when I'm like, MIA. So between those things, I was still writing and also I was also like not writing. Like I had a lot of just procrastinating and, and I guess I could frame it as like stewing on or thinking about things. And Mm -hmm. I, and I was, but it also was just like, yeah, it's just difficult stuff. And I'm just like out of practice with certain things. And it took a lot. To uh you know, and I'm unemployed, and like that's like does have time in some ways, but being unemployed for so long it like starts to sap your energy, you know, yeah. and so anyway i this is like a really long yeah i I, well, I wanted
1: to know your process this is this is i mean this is the yeah. highs and the lows of process
0: yeah so then so then by the time she was done with fly honey show. In September, mm-hmm. it was like okay, we are rehearsing twice a week. Okay, um, and then we have a tech week where we're re- rehearsing like four times each for like five to eight hours a time. You know what yes. I mean? And so that was like, uh, and I had and I had one really janky run through with um Thomas Kelly and uh and Morgan Lord uh came cool. to see the show at the rehearsal space I had and so that was like literally like the the thing that the run through they saw was me like explaining like so then I'm going to do that thing and then <laughs> asking their feedback about it so it was like and it was also impossible to prep for because you know, there's four of those conversations in the show.
1: Right. And it just have to happen. In-
0: that's at least thirty percent of the show, if not like fifty percent, right? right? And so like each of those is three to ten minutes long. Um so yeah, so it it just was impossible to actually completely rehearse the show until I did the show. Yeah. Um Anyway, I, I'll stop talking to give you a break to recalibrate <laughs> or ask me something else.
1: Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm very but inspi- I, like, duh, I wish I was there, like, obvious statement, Magoo, but, like, I think it would have been particularly refreshing for me to see those audience interactions as, like, I've been mm. doing more and more shows that involve, like, Comedy audience interactions that are designed to like get to the next laugh as quickly as possible, and they yeah. were really—I mean, I do some of them because I—I I came into this company. I'm covering someone else's track. Yeah. I didn't choose all of these things, but it's just like you know, what do you do? Oh, so you're kind of a loser, or you know? It, and it's just like I, <laughs> I would have been <laughs> really <clears throat> refreshed and just inspired to see some super present audience interactions and it like inspires me to like think about that in my own work a bunch of things came up if we can talk
0: about that for a second yeah the 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 crowd work stuff you know one of my biggest interactions with stand up remaining tethers to that world has been through viewing crowd work reels Mm -hmm. over you know since that has become a popular trend. And I always hated most crowd work. And this has just like reaffirmed that to the nth degree for me, because not only is it right, like, Whoa, oh, so you're kind of a loser. It's also <laughs> like, it's, it reaffirms the most backward thinking ideas in like, like comedy is a, it, it it is a conservative art form in the terms in in the sense of being not like the content of comedy is American political conservatism. Yeah, it's like it's conservative in the sense that it is reactionary. It relies on the most common understandings possible. Yeah, to and and that's what you have to like undercut to make the quickest jokes. You know, like, so the example is like any male presenting and female presenting person sitting next to each other, and a comedian goes, Well, are you two together? And they might not even know each other. Right. right? Or, or, and if, and if, if they say anything other than like, Oh, yeah, we're together. Okay. Well, they, yeah, we're together. So now the next thing is to be like, Oh, how long, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Oh, whatever. It's always too long, you know. Oh, so you're kind of sick of each other. Or it's like, why are we... So so, so the message there, and I know not everyone's thinking about message all the time, but nonetheless, the message there is like, relationships are misery? Like, fuck that, you know? Or like, but the thing that really happens is like, if, if especially, well, if they say they're not together, it's always like, but the guy like you probably wish you at what you've been friend zone right. dude. Like, yeah. it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like we're like reinforcing like 15 different heteronormative, patriarchal, misogynistic bullshit yeah. ideas
1: in, in, in like matter in of three seconds. words. Yeah. yeah it's yeah.
0: horrible. And it's also like, of you have these people, right? Uh, Various, various attendants over the weekend. But for me, it was like a little over probably like 100 people saw the show. So on any given night, I had like 25-ish people in mm-hmm. the room, right? If you got 25 people in this room with different – like liter- literally, they unless these are your close friends, right, you're never going to have the same 25 people. In a room, unless it's like an improv class or something, you know what right. I mean? It's like, it's not an exaggeration to say that this configuration of people will literally never be in the same space together yes. again. And the thing we want to ask them about is like what they do for a living, you know, right. it's like so boring, you know? So so anyway, so that's like, but the thing that I, so I very actively chose to make those conversations When I've done those bits, when I've done conversation bits in shows previously, and I have, I've had, like, longer, like, not super stand-up-y bits, they still had, like, games to them. Yeah. Where it's, like, it, like, proved a point by the end, or it was, like, oh, if you you say this, I'm gonna say that. But these were just, like, open-ended conversations. The lights in the house are up. And... Almost like an anti-show. So like Mm -hmm. those conversation moments, those four conversations, I was like, the less this feels like a show, the better in these moments. Like, can I like completely dissolve the show, just have an actual conversation with this whole group of people at once and then reconstruct the show at the end of the conversation to go back into what's happening, which is like. Obviously, there's still a show there. That's still a performance. I'm not pretending it's like the most authentic thing or something. Yeah. But yeah, it, it also presented its, its own challenges where it's like, well, that's not particularly theatrical to do. That. Right. And it's not. It's it's like, yeah, it wasn't the most visually interesting thing for people to look at during those conversations. If certain people, the whole audience is masked. If certain people speak quieter behind their masks. That affects the the experience for people. So, right, yeah. Anyway, but you, you said you had a lot of thoughts, but based on the other,
1: well, really quick, long I, rant I went I, on. I, really quickly, just on that, um, it, it, yeah, it is interesting that you say hosting versus interviewing because it really you were interviewing. Because I think hosting MCing implies the artifice of a show. Yeah. Whereas you were yeah. really trying to drop that artifice and, and have a true interview. Um, and it also reminds me of reality television in the dark, not reality television is like the dark side of this, which is like, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. want sometimes some of the shows, they want people to forget they're on a show and have those conversations. Or, turn the conversation <laughs> into the theatricality uh, it, it's like an yeah. interesting kind of flip version of that uh like you're de-theatricalizing conversations whereas reality television sometimes dramatizes or theatricalizes i don't think that's
0: right it. that's a really good that's really interesting I wish I'd yeah seen i'm gonna have to think fuck. more about that that was good
1: <laughs> now, uh, yeah i just uh, uh so so cool. I, I I look forward to the next time it's up. Um, what made you choose Mary as your director? Was it just simply seeing a fly honey show and being like, whoever does that is cast? Of, I have to work with them. Or,
0: well, Mary was on the podcast, mm-hmm. so that's how I first met her. The first time I asked, when I asked her to direct the show, was the first time we had met in person.
1: Mhm.
0: So we had not we didn't know each other. We had to like get to know each other in the rehearsal process. So cool. I've actually never seen a fly honey show. Same. Um yeah, but I knew I just had a sense that she um was a kindred spirit and mm-hmm. that she knew like I know I knew she did a lot of like audience interaction stuff I knew that she was kind of a mischief maker I knew that she Mm. had a sort of like visual and like stage sense that feels like a a blind spot for me so Mm -hmm. I you know was wanting that very much uh because I can cover the words a lot but if someone can like be mindful of like yeah theatricality and and what
1: the stage picture is while you're
0: visuals and stuff yeah that was cool so so that was mostly it and then like yeah and she was open to it and we talked and we like kept getting to know each other and uh yeah i consider her a a good friend
1: so cool um did you ever at any point and we talked about this before we started recording you don't have to reveal any spoilers. And you were like, there really (laughs) aren't any spoilers. It's (laughs) anyways. Yeah. Did you ever at any point have a thesis of, for the show or not really?
0: Well, that's what I wanted to avoid. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I like. Which we talked about this in the
1: sidewalk episode a little bit.
0: Right. Right. I'm sure I said something similar where it's like, if you have the thesis of the show, if, if you can reduce the show to a thesis, it feels like a failure a mm-hmm. little bit. It's mm-hmm. like, why did you have to make the show, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And at certain points, I did have a thesis, right? Like, I feel alone. I feel left out. I feel left behind. I feel. I feel – marginalized like f- almost physically pushed to the margins of society as mm-hmm. a disabled person still taking precautions N- not even the most intense precautions but like still masking indoors and not eating indoors you know uh to 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 sum it up as as broadly as possible uh e- eating indoors in public obviously i eat indoors in my home but I didn't want to just – yeah, like I, I know what I – I know the precautions I take. Am I really just trying to do like a how-to on doing the exact precautions I mm-hmm. take? Some people take more precautions than me. What is mm-hmm. that? That that doesn't – didn't feel like like – I need to tell you how to live your life did not feel like a very good reason to make a show. No. Uh I feel the need to tell people how to live their life <laughs> did feel like a good. You know what I mean? Like I'm more interested in that like anger and in that like like sadness and and frustration yeah. than I am the actual like instructions for how to live. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah. So it's, yeah, like, and of course, never at any point did I imagine that the kind of spotlight would go on you and you would say
0: the right, sentence right, of right, truth right, right. and the
1: lights would go out. But no, totally. But it's more guiding feelings than, like, a guiding sentence or two at, throughout your process.
0: Guiding feelings and also really not wanting it to be, like, a liberal kente cloth show you know mm. what i mean like not like nancy pelosi yeah i'm getting the image in fucking kente cloth you know what i mean like i just <laughs> like like empathy is not the solution you know what i yes. mean it's like is 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 not the end po- like i'm not like against empathy but i'm very much against the weaponization of empathy yes the yeah. performance of empathy using empathy as an endpoint like yeah like it, it it can't be about feeling, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I needed to have in the uh, no one does anything because someone yells at them to do it, you know. Like or even like, set, s- gently suggests for them to do it. Mostly, like certainly not me, you know. So I even at the end of the show, after the show's over, my like post show speech is like. If you feel like taking things a little more seriously than you have, there's like a bunch of resources at this QR code in the uh, program, and I wanted to like have that available, like point people to resources, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, I can't like strap an N95 mask on everyone's head whenever they go out in public, you know. It, it, it just, yeah. Where where did I, <laughs> I like lost track of. Oh, oh the the feeling. I was just
1: curious about your guiding lights, your north star. Yes, this thesis too strong yes. of a word, but yeah, like when you were. Well, the other lost thing, in the confusion maybe.
0: Right, and so the, the so having all these conversations in the show could like very much be like could, could very much be the sort of like empathy endpoint in and of itself of being mm-hmm. like. I just want us all to talk, you know, (laughs) which like, I guess I don't just want that, but I certainly want that. And I guess that is the, you know, I can't guarantee that anyone had conversations after the show, but I actually could guarantee that during the show, I got to ask questions that I genuinely wanted to know the answers to, right? Mm. And so like one thing that was interesting that I found was like in these really loaded conversations, right? Like one of the conversations that they all start with like a specific question and they're not all directly about COVID there, but there's one that is, that is like, where are you at with, with what you're doing about Mm -hmm. COVID? What are, what are you, what measures are you currently taking is that a step down from before? Have you stepped up and, you know, just asking people where they're at with this stuff? And to be able to ask that, um, like, I wanted to know the answers. You know, right. I, I like, I actually wanted to have a conversation with those, say, 25 people in that room and be like, maybe I will learn something right now that I didn't know before. And yeah. that felt like it was really nice in those conversations because it's like I'm actively in the same way that with This Is Your Afterlife, part of me really does hope. I don't believe it's really going to happen, but part of me does hope that some guest eventually assuages my fear of dying forever. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so it's like that impossible task I find very like satisfying theatrically, you know, to be like, how do I, you can get a lot out of like doing the Sisyphus thing of like, just doing the same, you know, trying to actually do this impossible thing.
1: I love the Dave Mars impossible tasks show. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just like that concept. Uh, Don't know exactly what that is, but.
0: Well, that's what this was in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, to, like, be able to ask those questions as opposed to, like, tell anyone anything. Yeah. Um, so so I think that was, like so, – so, yeah. So so it almost was more interesting rather than, like, oh, we need to talk more. It's, like, oh, well, if that's your point, then just make a show where you actually can talk to people for yeah. an hour. Yeah. Um, And then you can say – You know, if what you think everyone needs to do is to call their congressperson, and that's the most important thing to you in your life, and theatrically that's what you want to do, then make a show where everyone calls their congressperson (laughs) during the show. And then at the very least, whether it's successful on any other level, you can say, We did this thing, and it actually did something, as opposed to like, Oh, it changed. Perspective, which I don't know, I've had perspective change, but do you know what I'm saying about creating the space to actually do the thing rather than just like change gesture this vague sort of framing on the world?
1: Yeah, also would potentially go to that show. Um, I don't know, (laughs) it could be fun for each of us to do it in front of everybody. Um, oh, totally. Uh, okay, this is kind of a time awareness just want to know what was the thing that was the most, what was surprisingly hard and what was surprisingly easy? Was it like, was there an area where was like, Oh, Holy shit. This is a grind. And there's an area where it's like, Oh, Holy shit. I'm gliding.
0: Um. Okay. Mm. Um, surprisingly hard and surprisingly easy. I would say surprisingly
1: <sighs> Also they yeah. don't have to be a surprise. You can just say hardest and easiest if if <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well,
0: there were certain things that there there were certain like I think that's what it is. There were certain hard moments and certain easy moments, but mm-hmm. even show to show they weren't always mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. So one thing is that the show itself at least as it did at the Neo-Futurist, this is the thing that might completely change, is the opening of the show starts with a Charlie XCX remix of the Caroline Polachek song, Welcome to My Island. Do you know well, that remix?
1: I, I don't know the remix. I was trying to yeah. know, remember if I knew the song, but I have not yeah. heard the remix.
0: Well, it's really fun. It's like a fun, dancey thing. And like I started by like, We played that song and there were like several like different spotlights up on different parts of the stage with, with black in between. Mm -hmm. And, and each of those, like during that song, I would pose a different pose in each of those spotlights. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I open the door to the theater. There's a spotlight there. I'm like standing with my arms crossed, lights come down, lights up on a different part of the stage. I'm posing in a different way, lights down. Up on a different part, posing a different way. And then, so, so it was like this kind of like silly introduction. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like kind of doing like survivory poses. Yes. And what was fun about that, I was like, dude, unlike stand up where you start and you have to be like, I know, I look like Jack Black or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> it's like you get to start with points on the board
1: yeah. to be
0: like, already like even like maybe everyone hated this bit but i didn't have to like it wasn't it wasn't dependent on them it just was dependent on this music filling this room me standing in these spots and like putting energy into it and like like if i can do that yeah yeah because then the first line of the show like comes after like really quickly cutting off the song so then Uh i'm just like hi what you know and 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 you get a laugh just from like removing the music which is like damn you don't get that kind of laugh in stand-up because you just don't have that you know unless it's a really high it's like a bo burnham show or something right you know so that was really that was a fun thing that made the top of the show easy yes however even so the second night of the show i made it harder on myself (laughs) where i was Like, aware that I was doing it, but I also couldn't stop myself from doing it. So the first night of the show, this Thursday night, was really odd. It was a really surreal feeling. I, like, basically, like, it's not a super scripted show, but basically, like, word perfect. You know, like, I, I, like, hit all the beats I was supposed to hit. I wouldn't even say it was the best show, but it was, like, it flowed very well. And then Friday, oh, and and it just it didn't feel like crazy energy. You know, it had been like four years since I'd like performed in this way. And it didn't feel like it. It was just like, oh, I feel this sense of purpose. I'm like doing this show for a reason. Like I'm like specifically – not just making it about myself like it is a sh- a solo show like talk about you know uh what's it called Th- not theme uh not moral what was the mission statement no so what like was a the thesis? a thesis yeah it, not like quite a thesis but it like it was a solo show about community you know yes. and so i like i felt this sense of like service and giving people, especially on Thursday, like me, who who take COVID stuff really seriously,
1: Whoa. a place where they
0: could come and, and have the show. Right. Wait, so you felt
1: like, a sense of service?
0: During yeah, on that especially on that Thursday show, I was like, this feels like amazing. That's but, but it crazy. felt like
1: it takes me back to the Rebecca Specter first episode. Where she talked okay. about magic f- giving her that sense, and you and I were mm. like, "Comedy feels pretty selfish." I've never, felt uh, like in yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry, wow. I had to bump the brakes on that. Baby.
0: No, I appreciate that. Damn, that is really crazy. But, but so the thing, I was it like it felt like relaxing into a hot tub. It didn't feel like uh. a jolt of energy. It was just like, ah, oh, this is like easy. Like I can do this. You know, it's like this is so nice. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Okay, this doesn't mean you've, like, transcended. This doesn't mean this is your permanent relationship. It isn't necessarily always going to feel like this. Don't get, like, magical thinking about every show being this same way. And it wasn't. But then the Friday, for whatever reason, I don't know if I was trying to make it harder on myself. I don't know if I was trying to – I don't know what. But, like, at the end of the music cue, the first thing I say is, like, um is that 2020 saw some huge societal shifts covid the george floyd protests and i watched 40 seasons of survivor in 4 months <laughs> and so like those are like pretty like there's a there are there's a rhythm to saying that that makes it hit harder than not right mm-hmm. the second show for whatever reason my brain went and made my mouth say. So, uh, 2020 was uh, pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> we had a lot of uh, different things in society. A lot of things shifted. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people know that. And so just adding so many more words, saying things in the like least powerful way possible, and I like felt myself like choosing to do that. Yeah. And then yeah. this other part of my brain, it felt like I split. So part of me was like saying things differently intentionally and to lesser effect. Like it was not as poppin. as a result. And this other part of my brain was like, why can't was like, this is not right. This is not the right way to say these things. Why am I doing this this way? And I like, but yet I still kept choosing to like say it in the less efficient way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if I was just like, Oh, I need to, um, uh, if I was trying to, like, self-sabotage enough to, like, shock myself into staying present or something. Or Mm. if it was, like, Thursday was too smooth. Let's see if I can, like, you know, to keep myself from getting magical thinking about it. I'll automatically do something different at the beginning to, like, have to recover from it or something. It's, like, this is maybe me just, like ascribing intentions that may or may not have been there in the moment. But it was f- the the hardest, one of the hardest things that weekend was that moment at the beginning of Friday, going, going off the rails, observing myself going off the rails <laughs> and realizing that I was like steering off the rails. Not, not that it was like, Oh, this is out of my control. It was like, this is in my control. And yeah. somehow I'm still like dr- trying to. Yeah. Did the
1: vibe, that vibe last for the whole show or was it like the intro and then you're like, like,
0: well, so that was, I think ultimately it felt fun Mm -hmm. that I forget how it came up, I think in one of the challenges, because when I'm doing the challenges, I'm talking to the person I'm doing the challenge with Mm -hmm. and they asked me about like that night or about how the show was going or something. And I was like, well, I think last night's was a little better or something like that. (laughs) And then at the end, there's this big like tribal council where the audience, some of the audience members serve as the jury in the background and they get to ask questions. And one of them asked me, they were like, why did, why did you think yesterday was going better than today? Like clearly from the perspective of like, we're all having fun. Like, this is great. Yeah. Like, what are you, you know, but if you're like one second into a show, you or 10 seconds into a show, you know, even though it's going to take the audience five minutes to catch up to where you're feeling, you can yeah. like feel it being off. And if you were to stop it at those 10 seconds, the audience would be like, what are you talking about? And you're like, nope. Nope. There was so much data in those 10 seconds, you know. So, anyway, so, but, but she was coming from the perspective of like, we're all having fun. Like, what made yesterday so much better than today? And I was like, I was like, well, the way I'm supposed to start the show, I'm supposed to say these things in this specific way. And I actually like got to like re deliver the beginning of the Ah. show, like at the end of the show, like the way I was saying it. And so it, it ended up being like, and then in my post show speech, I was like, you know, if you if you like the show, tell your friends. Tell them it'll be as good as Thursday, uh, that kind of thing. And so it was just yeah. So so it ended up being a fun bit to the show. I definitely didn't like just let it slide and try to like
1: yeah get back
0: on the rails. But certain other things were going off in my mind throughout that weekend, and I was like, okay, you can't get too meta with this. Like, don't like choosing which things to get meta about and which mm-hmm. not to. Was also a difficult thing, especially with a show like that, where it's about being in the moment. And you kind of do have to remind people that it's a show at some points. Being like, hey, remember, I'm like keeping this on the rails, you know, because otherwise during a conversation, everyone could just be talking to each other. And all of a sudden, there's no show anymore. It's just a social hour, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool that your own audience kind of pulled you back to be present uh, with them a little bit. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, by that point it was like, I was like in it and I was feeling good about it. Yeah. 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 But it was. Yeah. And, and I, and I know from talking to people that they considered like certain parts of the show to meta. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, I had to just that was it. That was a tough thing with like certain criticism from people is like understanding where they were coming from and just choosing to be like, I just disagree.
1: Yes. Like I just
0: have a different taste. Because normally when I get criticism from people that I see the validity of, I'm like, oh, well, I should do what I can to fix that. And yeah. this time it was like there's a lot of really valid criticism. And I don't want to fix those things because fixing them would require making it into a different kind of show. Yeah. So I'm okay with those people not liking these aspects of the show as much because it's just a different taste. But I'd never had that granular a level of – you know, like on Sunday – There was a, there was a very like rowdy or or not even that rowdy, but like, you know, a very like, uh, alive, a spirited audience participant. And I told her that she had like stepped on a joke that I was about to make. And the, per the, the, the person I know who I talked to after was like, we didn't know you were about to make that joke. You could have just like made it anyway. And I was like, yeah, but to me it's, it it was funny and it heightened the dynamic to go hey you just stepped on this joke i was about it like it made me more frustrated on stage it showed that frustration more mm-hmm. and it allowed and then i was able to say the joke i was going to say and still get a laugh for it so it was almost like i guess maybe a thing i noticed is that i'm like trying to fucking play 4d chess with myself sometimes i guess and like where those impulses are fun and where they're just truly mind fucking
1: i I mean i maybe i'm trying to justify it but like i also feel like that's you know bringing it back to like how is this like reality television like that's the most reality tv thing to do like reality tv is constantly interacting with its own audience and referencing its own audience and the contestants Mm -hmm. on the shows are saying what people think of them in the viewing audience and so i think like to me the meta stuff feels correct and and going you've stepped on my thing or like like this is how this you've affected the structure of the show because that's like a classic reality television thing is like this contestant breaks the structure of the show like when the bachelor guy jumped the fence or whatever like that's that feels like a massive key for for, again as someone who doesn't see the show
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i I mean this is a way of thinking that i had not uh, uh, of all the different facets of reality tv i had thought about this was not one of them and this isn't i'm gonna have to like re-listen to this to like to To apply some mm-hmm. some editing for round two, yes,
1: I yeah, I, I I like you know if you watch Grey's Anatomy, they're not going like mm-hmm. the audience thinks I'm a villain, but if you watch Real Housewives right, right, or whatever, right. they're like meta analyzing their arc on the show. <laughs>
0: totally, 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 yeah.
1: I mean, Vill- heroes versus villains. I don't even watch Survivor, and I know that's like one of the most famous things is like
0: yeah.
1: how did the audience perceive you how can you play against type which goes back to you being like what's your thing I'm the word guy how can I play into that how can I play with that uh,
0: and word yeah. guy wasn't the thing it was interview guy
1: it's true word guy was your fake example
0: yes of a yes. person
1: who was word guy and didn't have to do physical comedy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay i've i i i feel i don't want to belabor i feel really good I feel really excited to see it when it goes back up
0: okay awesome
1: good um I'll just ask you one last question okay which is do you wish you did the sidewalk show <laughs>
0: uh no, I'm really good <laughs> although I have thought about the sidewalk show like our Podcast, podcast sidewalk show. Since being on the sidewalk, I'll just be like, you know, uh, I'll be like very aware of which side I'm crossing, which side another person's passing me on. Moving Occasionally, single I'll be
1: file with the group of three. I'm like, here I am asking us to move to single file again.
0: <laughs> I or I really enjoyed the idea of trying to like shout your relationship length at at another couple as you pass to see who gets to stay intact. Yeah. So, so no, I'm glad, I'm glad that wasn't the show. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what it, what it could be. (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask you this as someone who, you know, the, the podcast has, the feed has not been dormant the past two months but it's certainly not been steady and in the format you're used to. How do you feel about that? What do you, what are you, what are you looking for from the podcast going forward?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I was looking for an episode of like Dave post show reflections. Okay. Um, which is kind of what I forced today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess – yeah, I don't – I mean, I was kind of like, okay, and then and then back to business as usual. We kind of been in the show, Dave, getting ready for the show, different programming, and then I think it's like, oh, yeah, okay, now back to your regularly scheduled afterlife. Okay. But not that – Not it I don't think that was like a conscious thought. I think it's just like that's what I was sort of expecting but not thinking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no like – Oh, I'd really love for now that we've had this little break, maybe he starts getting these kinds of guests on more or starts focusing more on these kinds of things. Do you have any of that?
1: No, Uh, not, uh, not that not that has. I mean, I'm sure if you were like. Now that you've done. yeah. No, but I don't think I was like going like, oh, I hope he books like survivor contestants to like no 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 no.
0: not related to the show (laughs) but just like oh is there a i want to see a step up maybe this is my own brain being like now that the live show is on pause time to take this is your afterlife to the next level what does that next level look like Mm. but you were you were neither having the thought of what that looks like, nor even the thought of it needing to be taken to the, quote, next level. So no. that, so it's an h- impossible question for you to answer.
1: No. And maybe that's kind of because, like, I don't think I'm doing that for any of my friends. I'm not going like, mm-hmm. oh, I hope Bill Stern really takes it to the next level.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> that, by the way, that episode was wild and fun. Uh, the apocalypse.
0: <laughs> Wait, the apocalypse one? That was crazy, right? It's so funny. But I I, I, well, yeah, I, I don't think really
1: I don't think I'm unless my friends are coming to me going, I'm wanting to take it to the next level, what's your suggestion on now? Me as a persona or as my but I mm-hmm, no, I don't mm-hmm. think I was Yeah, no. I, I think I was kind of expecting maybe a post show reflection and then back to the afterlife.
0: Well, I like it because you really are like the um the most powerful afterhead in a lot of ways
1: i speak for the afterheads
0: <laughs> you get you get to really just I like i get a
1: ton of messages and they're like ask dave about this ask dave about this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well you you don't even need messages you get to just decide what everything is and who uh, wh- yeah you you've been wanting to see a certain thing so now um, it's time to go this way um i still you know think you saying?
1: should talk to a du- a death doula
0: a death doula. Okay, yeah. I'm. I'm also trying to find the, the pigeon level subscribers who are current, currently active. Okay, here's what I've got. I've got G, Barry Fontenot, Shuba Singh, Debo, Fred Fidua, and Katie Llewellyn are the pigeon level subscribers on the Patreon. But the reason that I wanted to, well, in addition to part of their their subscription is to be thanked that way on every mm-hmm. episode. Uh, I also want to know from you the most powerful afterhead as we have now determined is do you want more of the type of any of the things that happened this these last 2 months in say the Patreon Are you wanting more bracketology things. I don't have any more of the survivor podcast to to share but any more of the weird like process, the like Rebecca Spector like producing an independent show stuff or like agree. And and really this is now me just brainstorming getting your your feedback <laughs> on as the most powerful afterhead where to take the show. But I'm I'm open to those thoughts.
1: I wow. I did the Rebecca Specter one was like practical advice too. Like, in a good way. In a good way. Like in moments where I'm okay. like, that's a good like like the unique location of the
0: venue. Mm-hmm, like I think mm-hmm, we both mm-hmm.
1: you in the podcast and me as a listener are going, like, Oh, that's such a good call. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I like I like I like having the regular afterlife interviews and I like when they're broken up by a surprise episode and I like the movie clubs. I liked when you watch scary movies. Uh, which I think was last year, which is crazy mm-hmm. that it, that flew by. But I liked when you watch scary movies. I like when you watch afterlife movies. I love when Bill Stern makes an appearance because he is a confounding mind to me in the best <laughs> way. His mind its very similar to Megan Strickland. I just sometimes I'm like, I don't understand how that thought formed and I am so intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Bracketology. Yeah. I love a Dave Mar How to practical process episode. How to, how to put up your one man show? Uh, how to? Ooh, yeah, the weird like resources that you like put in the QR code. Like it's mm. like here are ways that you can do like a little tiny thing and make yourself this little amount more safer to people. Um, I don't know. I I like regular episodes and I like when they're broken up by like a little surprise episode.
0: Cool. So basically, I should just kind of do the majority of the work of planning the podcast and not not force you to do that.
1: Who else? Who, who but you? <laughs> Plus, I like it when um, you surprise me. <laughs> like I said.
0: <laughs> well, I think th- this this was really nice and helpful for me. It got me more in a reflective place than I've been. Been in a very distracted place. So glad to be back into a reflective place. Gotta process the process. Trust the process, the process.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And,
1: and it's got me excited to see it when it comes back.
0: Yeah. Season two. It'll be, it'll be season two when that happens, or maybe season three, because season two is going to be at a semi, semi private salon. So, uh, if That's folks exciting. want invites to that, I'll, I'm sure I'll have information about that in the show notes eventually. But um,
1: Whoa.
0: yeah, got to be in Chicago. Got to be, got to be trustworthy enough to to email me, and I'll I'll send you the details. But I wish that everyone had as enthusiastic and supportive and engaged and genuinely curious friends as claire favorite because this was very nice so thank you
1: um thank you i truly as cl- like, I, the, the idea would have been to be in the audience and then to talk to you on this <laughs> podcast about that yeah but this feels like close as i can get for how hard i flopped <laughs> uh and well, and i feel i feel excited about your next moves
0: thank you Well, okay. Do you want to um say the tagline?
1: Yeah, the the classic tag. Oh, oh, the real thing. (laughs) The
0: actual end of the episode tagline.
1: Oh, please, God, remember that you are a mist. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I was like, "What's the tagline?" Have a good day. What if is he you talking believe, about? Oh, the one that echoes in my ears. if you
0: try, <laughs> you can do
1: anything. You can do miracles.
0: Thing that seems impossible. You can do miracles. Miracles.
1: You can do them, have faith, you're human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.